Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello there and welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and on this occasion I am joined by my close associate, Sean McGuigan. Hello. And you know what happens when the Samuel Preston and Chantel Houghton of the Terrace get together. <laughs> you better believe it. You, yes you dear listener, are about to be taken on a magical thrill ride through the nooks and crannies of the Scottish lower leagues. Sean and I will be looking at one game that took place in the Championship, another fixture from League 2 and a final match from League 1. I've got those mixed up there. You have, um, absolutely. I, have. I, got... I was worried there that there was uh, they, they would had some kind of change to uh, what, we'd, uh, what we'd agreed, but thankfully there is still a, a League 1 fixture within within this yes we were talking again from the championship league one league two you, you know how it works listener if this is the if this is the first time you listen to us sean and i review one game from each division if this is not your first time listening to us then apologies for my mistake there i'm sorry for throwing you and i'm sorry for throwing you as well sean before we crack on though I, how is everything with you i mean if only yesterday since i saw you we were filming um some television together as as normal good laugh Yes, I, I really enjoyed that. I had a, a very good day. I mean, I, I always have a very good day, but it was uh, first one of first one of this year, and I I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, what what about you? you okay. Yes, I, I'm fine. I'm fine. <coughs> I'm sorry, I think we don't have that much to, to talk about because I I drove you into the studio. Mm-hmm. I spent all day with you, and we were in the car together for about a hundred minutes. And you, 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 you've, we, we, we caught up with each other. We caught. We, up with we each did. Other. I, I suppose the only thing I can possibly, uh, I'm trying to think of something that's happened. So, so I'll tell you something that happened uh, coming back from work. Uh, I was waiting at Haymarket, and I was I'd, I'd, I'd bought a sandwich. And it's one of those situations where you've just taken a massive bite of a sandwich, then somebody comes up to talk to you. Oh, which yeah. is always it's not great timing. But basically, he was he, he watched the show and had come up to talk to me, and it was one of those situations where it's like, right, I don't think I'm going to be able to talk to you for minutes because I have such a big piece of sandwich uh, how, in my mouth. How so big? Like, how big a piece of sandwich is this? It's like to me, Sean. It sounds like you put the whole sandwich in your mouth. If you can't speak to someone for over sixty seconds, that must have been a, a, a that's a, that's like half a sandwich. It was maybe it was maybe a third of a half of a sandwich, but it was quite it was quite heavily filled. 
It was a Martin Spencer sandwich, so they don't scrimp when it comes to fillings. The way you said it, a third of a half of a sandwich, it sounds like a, a child's <laughs> uh, mathematics problem. <laughs> It's a, a six. It's a six of a sandwich, isn't it? If Sean has a third of a half of a sandwich, how much does he have left? Show you're working below for four marks. Uh, so I just had to like, I just had to like nod my head and, and make uh, encouraging noises uh, as he spoke to me. But anyway, it turned out that he was a, a Dolphin fan and he was wearing a, a massive moon boot. Okay. So obviously uh, we go on, go on the topic of football. Uh, I goes, do, do you go to the games? Uh, yes, I do. I goes. Were you there on Saturday? I mm. was. I goes, right, I goes, that must have been, I goes, not just maybe one of the best days of your life, kind of footballing-wise, that must have been, like, genuinely, like, real, one of the yeah. best days of your life uh, scenarios. I left it 3-0. I was like, oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I goes, why did you do that? He goes, it was 3-0 going on five. I didn't have any faith that they would win or, or come back. I goes, but, like, you just win games consistently. Uh, like, later on, like, like, like you just churn results. He goes, I know, I, I'm kicking myself, I'm pretty gutted. So anyway, kind of discussed that. And then, as I said, he was, he was in this big moon boot and I thought that he was giving off a vibe that I thought he's hurt his leg in a, in a silly a silly way. And I, although my train was in about four minutes, I thought, I, I'm not leaving this conversation without asking him uh, about his leg. I goes, oh, I, I goes, uh, what happened to your leg? Are you okay? I goes, oh, I, I, a double fracture. I was like, oh, geez, well, how did you manage that? He goes, I went <laughs> he goes, I went to the Clyde away game and I fell down a big hill. <laughs> it's like like those people that have in, in, like those people that have participated in cheese rolling competitions and haven't <laughs> they haven't like double fractured their leg. And I just I, I thought it was very funny that uh Dunfermline uh, are involved in what is essentially a, a title race with arguably their biggest rivals. Uh-huh. Like some would say it's Falkirk, some definitely fans might say it's Ray Throwers. I think most might say Falkirk. Uh He's a Dunfermline fan. They, 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 it would, it would appear that Dunfermline are, are, have a very good chance of of winning this league. But this young man appears to have not one solitary positive tale of this season to to tell us. Like I'm, I'm trying to think. I've been to Broadwood a couple of times. Like what hell? No, I remember it, but they're not playing at Broadwood. They're at, uh, they're at Hamilton. Ah, right. Okay. Then I'll ask the question again. What hell? <laughs> Well, it's funny because he went, you know that big hill at Hamilton? And I said, yes, but actually I don't. <laughs> I suppose it's for those of you are talking to a stranger just to agree with, ah, yeah, oh, the big hill. Uh, listen, mate, we've, I've, I've been there. I've fell down, cro- it, fell uh, down it myself. Come a, come a cropper in a couple of times. But I suppose, Sean, just on that match, do you want to, Do because that's the match we're talking about from League One, we might as well just start talking about that one before yes. we look at the championship. Let's. This was, by some distance, the not just the game of the weekend, not just the game of the calendar year, but the game of the season as a whole. We are, of course, talking about Airdrie Orient's three, Dunfermline Athletic four, where Airdrie went three goals up, but somehow, somehow, Dunfermline Athletic pulled it back to win. Incredible. Dunfermline season, it's, this could be the definitive match of the season so far. It certainly feels like it. I mean, Gabby McGill, Callum Gallagher, and an own goal from Robert Mann appeared to give Airdrie a lead they could not surrender, but the game swung in the hour mark when Callum Smith was sent off for a handball inside the box. Kyle Benedictus converted the penalty. Matty Todd got another. Matty Todd equalised. And then Nikolai Todorov scored the winner with just four minutes remaining. What a game of football this was. Aye, looked absolutely amazing. And I, I, I think, you saw, I suppose you saw, if you want to start with Erdry, I suppose you saw the, the two sides of them, I suppose. Yep. I, I think there's been a few times this season where we've seen Erdry and they have played uh, exceptionally well. 
And uh, I think it was a game against Montrose recently where you think, well, geez, oh, actually they could not trouble the teams at, at the top of the league, but definitely be in the equation for, for, for getting promoted. But they just have this, this kind of soft centre. Yeah. Uh, so they've now capitulated against, uh, remember, Edinburgh City? And, yes. Uh, albeit they were, they were down to 10 men. They capitulated against uh, Edinburgh Dundee. City again. <laughs> they've been uh, yeah, uh, yeah, but, but They're starting to have a wee, uh, a wee trend this season of of getting leathered. And that, that doesn't really... Uh, that doesn't really bode well when it comes to to, to Reese McCabe. Yes, I know they were down to ten men uh, against Dunfermline, but see, as soon as Dunfermline scored, see the see the body language of yeah. uh, of the Airdrie players almost at almost at three one, like they looked they look kind of downbeat. They're, they're kind of so their their shoulders look slumped, but like really, even at that point at three one, they should still be able to to see it a game. And uh, I, I don't think Reese McCabe's Substitutions worked. I, I don't think uh, I wasn't entirely sure about his post game interview, but he kind of very much blamed the players rather than anything that that he did. And I, I appreciate that that post game interviews can be can be very raw, especially in in, in that kind of situation. And and maybe he's, he's had a wee bit time to think and, and has maybe changed his opinion. Bearing in mind he is he's on the park as well. Like yeah. he has to take some kind of responsibility. Uh, but. I, I I think you saw the, the, the two sides of Airdrie. Yes, they can play expansive, exciting, uh, free-scoring football, mm-hmm. but there is very much a, a, a kind of soft underbelly where you can get at them kind of quite easily. Uh, I quite like the idea of uh, Reese McCabe. It's not Reese McCabe the manager's fault, it's Reese McCabe the player's fault. <laughs> so that's a sort of way of, of, uh, of washing responsibility for it. It's interesting you say that, Sean. <clears throat> watching the highlights, the Airdrie highlights package is excellent for this, is, uh, I've got to say, man. Diamonds TV is generally like, like very good. But it's the, the second goal for me where the game seemed to swung. Not the first one, because, I mean, there's half... A, I suppose you're coming up against a team who really have a never-say-die attitude and who have three games prior to this one had won games or rescued points from games in the final five minutes of games. They'd done it against FC Edinburgh, albeit it was their own goal that they did it. They've done it against Clyde recently. They did it against Kelty Hearts. So, so this is this, this side who, who, who have really got it in them to do it. And I suppose that if you're going down to 10 men against the best side in the division who have got a replete with a, a number of high-caliber attackers, there's going to be a bit of worry about it. It's Matty Todd's first uh, first goal. The, the Airdrie's, uh, sorry, Dunfermline's second, Matty Todd's first. He gets the ball at the edge of the area, opens up his body, curls it into the net. His response... And the noise from the crowd, that was that was what it was for me. It was the noise from the crowd, from the Dunfermline supporters in the opposite the main stand. That was for me, you think, they're going on to win this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. 
because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I, the, 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 I mean, obviously, it's, it's different because when we watch it back, we know what's happened. But you are, when you're kind of watching that and listening to it and you're trying to be in the moment, it almost felt like even at 3-2, there was an, an inevitability in terms of the, the players' reactions, in terms of the Dunfermline fans' reactions, and as I've already mentioned, in terms of the Airdrie players' reactions, you could tell that the momentum had very much swung and you almost knew at that point, even though there's probably, what, maybe 25 minutes to go? Like, so there was, I suppose there was plenty of time for Dunfermline mm-hmm. to, to, to really turn it around. But, aye, I, I mean... It, I mean, Josh Ray was, was Josh Ray man of the match uh, in the game. I mean, as, as much as Airdrie had maybe like a very, very good twenty-five minutes, it, it was a deserved win for for Dunfermline. And they, I mean, Airdrie might have got the rub of the green in terms of Josh Ray could have been sent off. I, I thought oh. before the, before the scoring uh, started. I, th- I think I think so. I mean, he'd been booked and then came out to gather a ball, slid out his box, and and appeared his momentum took him over the line with the ball. I, I read in Pine Borrell fans debating it. I think that if a goalkeeper handles outside the box, it's a yellow card. If you remember, we did a podcast a couple of weeks ago where we looked at the match between Stranraer and East Fife yep. and George O'Connor, the Stranraer goalkeeper, just came miles out of his box and punched it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's similar. It's similar circumstances. The goalkeeper just loses his bearings and coming out and I can't for the life of me think why he wasn't sent off for that. And I suppose, in a way, that seemed more likely to be uh, to carry a... a that was more likely to get a yellow card, which would lead to a red card, than Callum Smith's red card after the the penalty. So, so it's weird. So there's been loads of debate about this because, like the, the the thread on Pine Bovril for the for this game is, uh, as you would imagine, for, for such a, a, a brilliant game, uh, there's loads of reading involved, and there there appears to be some people who have watched the highlights and have decided that it is a a, a clear penalty and a, a clear red card, and some people that said. Well, it's nothing of the sort. He was falling over. He didn't mean it, uh, and he, he he was not aware that of the, 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 the ball was travelling in his direction and at his hand. Total accidental. I suppose I'm somewhere. I'm somewhere in between. Like, I, I, and and what I mean by that is, I think if I was in the the Airdrie fans, you get a better look at it because I've no like, I've I've no idea if he if he flicks at it. Uh, or if it, it just accidentally strikes his arm, I, th- I think the highlights are very much uh, unclear as to whether it's a. I, th- I think it could quite possibly be, or probably is, a penalty. Whether it, it warranted a red card, I don't think the highlights clear it up uh, no. at, at, at all. However, what I would say on the balance of what I saw, I thought Ray probably should have been sent off. Smith was. Uh, but that certainly got Dunfermline's ball rolling, I suppose, as did, and I thought this was uh, quite interesting, uh, McPake substitutions after half an hour. Yes, I made two changes after the half hour mark. Yeah, and I, I, I think it's interesting in terms of when he was a Dundee manager, it, it, they were, let's face it, Dundee fans didn't rate him uh, as a manager. And I, I, I think he is, there's two ways to look at this. Is he... Is he learning from his mistakes at, at what he did at Dundee and becoming a far better manager because of it? Or is he turning into an Alan Johnson Mark II in that he is in charge of the best manager in League One and he has been buoyed by that and it 
to a degree, it doesn't really matter. He's he's getting away with mistakes in League One. I'm not entirely sure. I suppose we won't really know until uh, until Duffelman get into the championship and he's yeah. he's still in charge. But certainly, it, it was a ballsy move and to acknowledge the mistakes of how they were set up, uh, kind of fix the the the, the kind of lackadaisical area of Duffelman's uh, team, which was the middle of the park, and, and bring on a couple of subs. That that still takes a wee bit of ball. So fair play to him. Yeah, def- definitely, and it, it, it certainly worked as well. I mean, I suppose I, I say it worked. Robbie Mann uh, scored their own goal, one of the subs that came on, and there's quite a funny bit because the commentators are keep talking. It's mean it's a really good ball in for Justin Devaney, uh, and they're like, "That's a brilliant goal, absolutely superb goal." They kept on like talking about how the caliber of the goal it was their own goal. It's like I think it's um, I think it's uh, Gabby McGill is, uh, is is challenging for the ball at the same time as Man. It just happens to hit off. I think it's Mahon's uh, collarbone. It hits uh, before it goes in. I um, with the jump back a step though, and we'll talk about the, the why Airdrie forced them into making those substitutions. And I've got to say, one of the best goals I've seen scored this season was Gabby McGill's goal. I thought it was just a, a such a superbly taken goal. But it's a it's a really good run that he makes uh, into the Dunfermline penalty box. And Callum Fordyce like plays a ball that's just lo- there's not a lot of backlift on it, just lofted in right in, right into his path, and he just sort of hits the thing in the volley. It's just very very deftly controlled in past Dennis Mehmet. I I thought it was a fabulous goal. I I I think you've very much taken the glass half full approach to uh, to this goal. <laughs> I thought it was great. I thought it was a great goal. It's I, like, I, I think actually I thought it was my favourite goal of the game. I thought it was a really weird goal. So, so, you, so everything you've everything you've described is absolutely spot on. What you failed to to point out is that from about maybe I don't know twenty two yards out, the entire Dunfermline defence stop. Then Gabby, by the time the ball reaches Gabby McGill, he is maybe in the middle of the penalty box in about six yards of space. That that itself. Uh, it, it is very strange, and even his even his finish, which is good, because it's kind of first touch, and he kind of strokes it past uh, Mehmet and the defender goals. That that almost felt unnecessarily risky because he had so much time, <laughs> I could have so much time to bring it down, so much time to bring it down and, and make sure of the finish. But no, you're right. Uh, if, if you want to be glass half full about it, a very good goal. If I was a defender fan. I'd be asking real questions about the back four, which is something that we've never really had to do this season. Like, the family have, well, I say back four, it's kind of like a back three, I suppose, uh, with, with wing backs. But they looked poor. I thought I thought Kyle Benedictus defensively looked poor. Mm. And I don't know if, uh, like, Sam Fisher's went back to Dundee, and I don't know if that's had a, a, a. You would expect to have a big impact because certainly Benedictus and, and Fisher have had a, a, a brilliant season at, at the back for Dunfermline. Whether that is a, a wee indication of the, the difference that not having Fisher is, is making. I suppose the good thing from the film's perspective uh, on Saturday was we have spoken about them grinding out wins this season, defensively being brilliant and not necessarily making the most of their chances. Whereas on Saturday, defensively, they looked a bit frail, but actually it was that forward line that, and, and Matty mm-hmm. Todd that, that essentially bailed them out. It's, it's, it's quite interesting you, you talked about Benedictus. One of the things I noticed was for Callum Gallagher's goal, Erdogan's second goal, and it's a really good piece of interplay uh, at the edge of the Dunfermline box. I think it's a, there's Adam Frizzell, Charlie Telfer's involved, and Callum Smith makes a decoy run just sort of down the, 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 the left-hand hand side of the box. Kyle Benedictus seems to 
sort of take his eye off what's going on, notices Smith's run, but the ball gets played into Gallagher, and because Benedictus is perhaps a wee bit slow off the mark, that allows Gallagher the chance to to turn and finish, which is, and I thought that's like, Benedictus has been one of, if not pound for pound, the best player in League One this season. A bit uh, uncharacteristic. It, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be far, it wouldn't be far off it. You know something, to be fair, I, I thought he had a decent season at, at championship level last season. I, I got the impression that as much as a lot of Ray fans weren't overly keen on him, it was almost like he'd, you know how sometimes familiar, familiarity breeds contempt? Oh, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm I, well aware of that. I, I kind of got the impression it was a wee bit like that for, for Benedictus. I, I, I think he was unfairly maligned by Wraith Rovers fans. And it's, it's quite interesting that he was a captain of Wraith Rovers and a lot of Wraith Rovers fans felt that he was a poor captain that offered very little leadership. But you listen to the Fairman fans comments this season and they talk about the fact that he is the leader that they haven't had for, for a, a significant number of years. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, that's again, that's uh, an interesting uh, kind of polar opposites uh, opinion on Benedictus. But I agree, he's, he's been very good. I thought on Saturday, certainly defensively from the, I mean, the highlights went on forever. I mean, it was like 50 minute highlights package. Not that I'm complaining because it was a great game, but I, I, I thought defensively it looked a bit weak, but that's mm-hmm. very unusual for him this season. Mm. But the, the, we, we've spoken about the, the two Dunfermline goals that, that got them back into the match. Benedictus's penalty, the, the Matty Todd's goal, very well taken goal from the edge of the area. Todd- did you think, see before we move on, did you think that, uh, did you think that Josh Ray should have saved it? No, I thought, was, I, th- I thought it was a full stretch there. I thought it was but, a, well, he, but he wasn't. He went with his wrong hand. So he was diving to so he was diving to his right, but he brought over his left arm. Oh, is, that now, not, is that not what you do though? You dive dive to your right. Is that not what you're supposed to do? I'm trying I'm trying to move. Dive to, oh, that, that's what goalkeepers do, do they not? No, but, but, like, I know we can I know we can physically see each other at this moment in time, but if you dive to your right Okay, so I'm now I'm now holding it my right. So can you see my right arm? I'm bringing it uh, into view here. Hang a second. Uh, do it again. Okay, so can you see my right arm? Uh, yes. Right. So if I bring my left arm over, my left arm can't go as as, as far over as my right arm. But you see, goalkeepers save shots like that, diving to one side and using their other arm. But I I don't think they should because the thing well, is, he he actually got his left hand to it. But if he dives with his right hand, I I, I think he might have saved it. Oh well, he got in the SPFL team of the week. So, who am I to com- who, 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 who are you to complain about that? <laughs> I mean, just a suggestion. Just a suggestion. I, I, listen, listen. I, I, I'll, I'll need to watch it again. I'll need to watch it again. I will do that in my own time. And I a will lovely goal and an aesthetically pleasing goal. I just wondered if Ray maybe maybe could have done better. It was not an aesthetically pleasing goal. The goal that drew them level, which is actually from a very similar position. This is in the 82nd minute. Todd gets fed the ball on the edge of the area, has a shot, and it just seems to take a massive whack off Aaron Taylor Sinclair's leg and divert into the net. You going to tell me that, that Josh Ray could have done something about that one? No, no, I, I think he was helpless uh, at, at that goal. What I did enjoy, uh, there was uh, maybe... So certainly towards the... After the Airdrie went 3-0 up, there's a period in the in the highlights. It might be Dunfermline's highlights. And I, I do appreciate the fact that Dunfermline don't edit out any swearing uh, where they set up their uh, where they set up their their, their, their kind of camera and, and microphones. And there's a guy that sounds like he gargles with gravel. 
who for the, the maybe final five minutes of this highlights package just shouts and swears. Uh, it just says things like, fucking hit it. <laughs> fucking hit it. <laughs> uh, but he is, he is so excited uh, when this goal goes in and, and fair play to him, I would be as well. I thought the my favourite thing about the winning goal was Craig Whiten's cross. I'm sure it was Craig Whiten that, that put the cross in. I, I think um, so. It was very good. Yes, because it was like, yes, that's right. I'm just like outside of his foot. Brilliant. Like he hears down the he hears down at the left hand side. And it is, as you'd expect him to thump that in with his left, but he I think he, he gets the bend, he sort of uses the outside, the mm-hmm. toe of his right foot and it curls it in. Podorov's tied his on perfectly, and it's a very, very smart finish into the net. Uh, great goal and just like being a Dunfermline fan at the moment looks class other than, the moon, other than the moon boot man but it just looks <laughs> class at the moment it's like you're going into games and, and like will Dunfermline fans care that a lot of the time they're grinding out results no not at no. all you're winning games you're going to lead to you're going head to head with as you mentioned they're your biggest rivals you've got a seven point gap over them having had embarrassed yourselves last season under Peter Grant and then John Hughes, this looks like a lot of fun. Aye. No, it, it does look a good laugh. And I, I thought there was an interesting point raised on Pine Bovril in terms of, and I, I suppose, no, that is unexpected, but the at least one of the players who was substituted off after half an hour at full time, he was straight on the park and he was jumping on top of the player who... Replaced him after thirty minutes Hamilton. or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm sure it was Chris it, Hamilton. It, it does feel like there is a, a real togetherness, and I think it must have been the fourth, the fourth goal, that the the goal that made it four three, mm-hmm. and they ran to the the corner flag. Todorov was, I mean, obviously they're all celebrating the goal, but Todorov was calling everybody over, like literally wanting to get as many people as possible in, involved in the celebration. It feels like a like a, a decent bit of togetherness uh, I, no, in, I, in terms of the the, the players and. Like obviously, see when you've had like a, a tough season and you've been relegated, that, that's absolutely shit to see to rebound so quickly and have that like visibly such togetherness. It's uh, aye, it must be class to be a Duffy fan. And on top of that, it's been a very good week for them elsewhere because on the Tuesday night, Falkirk uh, dropped points against Allo Athletic. I, I don't think Falkirk had generally been playing well up until that point. They weren't particularly good at the Rex. They had scored quite late on through Gary Oliver, but then conceded, I think it was a 94th minute penalty. Brad Mackay handled the ball inside the box. So that was a massive, a massive missed opportunity for Falkirk. But... Dunfermline won't care that's like seven point gap and I know they've got to I think it's a point that, that you and I have spoken about uh, perhaps elsewhere like there's a they've got to play each other twice I mean the, they've, they've played each other twice already this season they drew the first fixture and Dunfermline were, Dunfermline ground out the, the second one and won it one nil at the Falkirk Stadium but they just don't seem to be any signs of them dropping points they can be capable I mean when they, they drop points to Clyde a couple of weeks ago, I don't think that was a result that many people saw coming. But they just seem, if you're going to compare the two teams, Falkirk are perhaps a better team to watch, but there's a, a degree of flakiness in there, whereas Dunfermline are perhaps less attractive, but they're more solid. This game obviously was a bit of an anomaly in that, but I just think that, that Dunfermline's just stinginess and, and just overall solidity will maintain that gap and see them over the line. I, I I think so. I, I think I would regard the Fairman as being more trustworthy in terms of getting results mm-hmm. uh, compared to Falkirk. However, I suppose if you want to be a Falkirk fan, you can cling to the fact that they, they actually didn't look good at the back. 
against Airdrie. And as much mm-hmm. as we've said that this uh, this this uh, this kind of title charge, I suppose, has, has very much been built on their, their defensive performances, I thought actually they, they looked really poor at the back mm-hmm. on Saturday. Maybe there's a one-off if that's the case. Fine, I would expect them to. I would expect them to win the league. If it is a suggestion of what's going to continue between now and the end of the season, then then I maybe there'll be something. However, Falkirk will need to, at the very least, get four points out of six from the the two uh, Dunfermline Falkirk games. Yeah, I don't think they can afford to, to drop points in those games. Up next, it's Dunfermline Athletic versus Airdrieians. They're playing each other on Saturday at East End Park. Uh, what's your thoughts on this one, Sean? Uh, well, Callum Smith is suspended. Uh, Dunfermline haven't lost a home game this season. They've just uh, had a a, a morale boosting four three one against Airdrie, who must be uh, at a low ebb after that result. I will. I am going to go for a home win. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think I'm going to go for a home win for for that one as well. And Dunfermline to maintain their, their their good form. And if you want to hear us talk about Falkirk versus Darvel, Sean and I after this podcast are going to record the Patreon. If you want to hear it, we'll be talking about the the build up to the game, the match itself, the aftermath. I think there'll be absolutely loads to talk about as well because that was actually a, a really interesting fixture. Please subscribe to the Patreon because uh, well, just because there's loads of great stuff there, including us talking about Darvel one Falkirk five. Now, we've done this podcast in a, a wee bit of funny order, but that's just because of Moonboot Man, as we'll refer to him from now on. <laughs> uh, let's jump back into the, the championship for what was actually a, a, a very entertaining game as well. Didn't quite have the same degree of drama that we saw in Monklands, but this is Greenock Morton 3, Queen's Park 2, and it was uh, Morton's first league win since mid-November. Um, despite Grant Savory opening the scoring for the Spiders, a quick-fire George Oakley double and a Jack Baird strike just after the interval put the taunt into an unassailable lead and although Connor Shields scored in the 67th minute, it proved to be but a consolation. Um, Queen's Park are still towards the top of the table. Uh, Great Morton are still... Just I, I need to check the tables actually, Sean. They are just outside the... The playoffs, let's just check. I, sh- I normally have this stuff written down. No, no, Queen's Park are I, top. I think they're fourth. I, sh- I say that. Mm, Queen's Park are towards the top of the table. They're top of the table. And Greenock Morton are just bobbing around the playoffs. They're in fourth place, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, dear listener. Normally I have this stuff written down. I'm just, I've been I've been busy with, with other stuff. I, I have, I've come out to play without doing my homework. In fact, just before leading up to this, I just managed to get a look at the, the highlights and have a quick scan through the, the thread and pie and ball roll. But, Sean, this looked like, as we've said, a pretty entertaining game of football. Plenty of incident, plenty of action at both ends of the pitch. No, it was really good. I, I think what I... I, th- I think if I'm going to talk about before the game, mm-hmm. I don't know if, if Morton have done this for the entire season, if, it, if it's a new thing. But but watch the highlights. They they come out to Opus. Life is life. I don't know that. I, I, I don't know you, the song. I don't know the song. Uh, life is life. Na 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 na. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I, I, no, no, so no, so I'm thinking to myself like right. That. If you are so presumably you are the in charge of PA at Morton. You are attempting to attempting to whip up the the crowd into some kind of frenzy by playing Opus. Life is life. It goes off just as Morton are taking centre. They pass it back to, I think it was Jack Baird, and he just leathers it into the stand. It's like, <laughs> ah, what, what was the point? What was the point of playing Life is Life? <laughs> However, thankfully, the rest of the game was not uh, indicative oh. of that of that centre. It was like a brilliant listen, game, and see, Morton, Sean, need, Morton needed this one. Oh, Morton certainly needed this one, but just to jump back to your point about the Tannoy, uh, when I was a Tannoy announcer at Stenhouse Muir, 
right from the outset, the fact when I, when when I was asked, "Can you do the tannoy?" immediately before I said yes, do you know what the first thing that came into my head was? The very first thought that popped into my head: Can I play a Christmas song six times over? No, that's when I got my feet under the table. No, my immediate <laughs> thought was. Can the team come out to Stone Cold Steve Austin's entrance music? I thought, if you remember watching wrestling in the late 90s, any time you heard that, gong, 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 that'll pop the marks there. Um, imagine, imagine there's quite a big Venn diagram of people that like professional wrestling and people that listen to the terrace. So they, they'll, they'll enjoy that. And if you watch any of the Raws, any pay-per-views from like 1998, 1999, you knew when Stone Cold Steve Austin came out, mm-hmm. business was about to pick up and and, and, and things were, think shit was going to get done. Now, I remember being approached by the CEO at the time at Stennis Weir said, listen, the, the, we want to, to come out to something else. I think it was, um, was a Darren Styles song. And I was like, well, I was like, well, come on, no, the team have been coming out to Stone Cold Steve Austin's music for instance, like, ah, the players don't like it. And I was thinking, fuck, these guys are just passers-by. These guys are just mm-hmm. passers-by. They'll beat the club for a couple of years and they'll fuck off. Mm-hmm. I am going to beat the club for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they'll come out to Stone Cold Steve Austin's entrance music. But then... Um, but then did you not leave soon thereafter? Uh, no, I, I did a Fathers for Justice sort of thing where I dressed up as uh, Batman, locked myself in the tannoy room at Stenhouse Muir. But then after about like 15 minutes, just realised this isn't this is very unedifying, and uh, came out and just said, we'll, "We'll play Darren Styles for the team coming out." <laughs> what is the? How does the Darren Styles song go? Oh, it's terrible! It's it, it's terrible! It's like it's it starts off really. The thing is, it starts off far too quiet to get people up up for it. Right. It's, it's I, I couldn't even do it, but it's, it's dreadful. I remember actually playing it, and um, then my my Spotify recommendations went went askew. What on a, on a similar topic? What was the Christmas song that you continually played until you were told to stop it? It was "Dolce Jubilo" by Mike Oldfield. <laughs> How many but, times did you play it? Uh, four. I think it was about the third time someone came up and was like sort of gesturing like with the hands up in there and then the fourth time they came up and they're sort of doing that like the cutthroat sort of like that's it finished that's it finished I mean I mean, um, I, I, I dread to ask but why why did you do that? I lost the run of myself um, <laughs> you know something I thought I, 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 I thought it would be really funny um, and I'm not saying that I've got like an incredible sense of humour or I'm like some sort of like Andy Kaufman-esque genius but I just think it'd be really funny to see how long I could play Christmas songs for before someone complained and it was three and a half times three and a half times uh, although weirdly at Stenhouse Muir they, they've started asking for the players to contribute songs mm-hmm. to what they wanted to play it was Nicky Jameson's turn this would have been about the start of November he asked for Christmas songs so they're playing Last Christmas by Wham in early November. Which isn't a Christmas song, it's a, it's a love song set at Christmas. Uh, uh, right, right. Okay, well listen, we're, we're, we're getting into, we'll save this sort of conversation mm-hmm. when it comes to a Christmas episode and we've nothing else to talk about. Yeah. We'll talk about when, when Christmas and Scottish football meet. Um, but we're, we're a long way away from that. Sean, we've been spending too much time talking about Stenhouse Muir. It's, we'll be doing that in five minutes' time anyway, so don't, don't worry about that. But listen, talk to me about Greenup Morton 3, Queen's Park 2. This was a, a result that, that, that Morton very much needed. Queen, Queen's Park, I, I suppose we'll get to them, but I, I do wonder about them in this post-Simon Murray time. But mm. another like really promising result for Duke Remini. Like, like we've spoken about Duke Emery a few times in terms of how much he has managed to get out of a squad of players. Like he's 
he has rejuvenated Morton. He's he's turned them into mm. a team who look like relegation candidates to a team that can can genuinely challenge at, at the top of the table in, in terms of the uh, promotion playoffs by not bringing anybody in, and like that in itself is is very uh, uh, impressive. He is now bringing in players who who almost fulfil the same category in terms of well, I don't think much of him. But somehow he is turning them into decent players. So you, know, you sound like you're describing like Livingston. You know that's a sort of like it's like if they went to if they went to any other team than Livingston, you'd be like, mm, don't fancy him. They go to Livingston, and think, oh, hang a second, that. Well, somehow it work. seems to be working. Like see when they brought in Grant Gillespie, I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah, right, yeah, he's rubbish. Mm-hmm. Like he was not good at Championship. He he didn't really stick out like even lower levels. But ultimately, he has he, he's had a lot of half the season. He okay didn't start uh, at the weekend but he is a good example of what Duke Remy has has managed to integrate into this uh, modern side and I, I suppose like George Oakley is again yeah. a, a brilliant example so I, I you always kind of wonder about about websites when you're looking at, at lower leagues and especially in different countries but for what I could gather George Oakley had two goals in two seasons he now has Three goals already for for Morton, and yes, he had a, a helping hand in terms of <laughs> a helping hand on both occasions. Of, on both occasions, this match in, in terms of Callum Ferry's uh, uh, contributions to to see, to, Sean, to, to it's, Sean, But regardless, it's, as you he, say, like uh, lending a hand. See if Callum Ferry actually had used his hands. <laughs> Might have been an idea. Might have been an idea. But, but regardless, you, you have to say fair play to Duke Emery. I, I wasn't sure about his appointment. I I, I wasn't sure about his uh, his transfer policies, but it, it, it all seems to be working out. I, I I agree completely. I thought that Morton were a club to me who felt like they were circling the drain a little bit. They'd a they they'd a quite a, a small a hardcore support, a small support that had seemed to be disillusioned and drifted away under sort of like the. Almost um, managed downsizing. Manage what's 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 the expression? Manage decline. That's it. Manage yep. decline under the sort of the under Crawford Ray, who I think the impression I always got was that it, like taking over Morton from his late father seemed to be a burden for them. It was like so. I, they, I'm sure the case was like his father was was incredibly passionate with the football team. Crawford didn't really care, and I think that transferring over to the to the uh, the Morton Community Trust MCT, I think is the the. the the, the, the trust, it's it took a wee bit of time to to, to get that going, make sure the funds have come in that you can bring in a a decent group of players and and so on. I, I'm not sure what the, what the, the finances are, but I'm sure that they're they're debt free at the moment, or, or certainly their their debts are, are are coming down. I would need to double check that, so don't quote me in that. And there does seem to be, to quote the thread in Pie and Bovril, a good feeling around Capolo at the moment. <laughs> and, so there, and so there should be. And so there should be. You know, if you've spent so much time since, like, how long Morton been in that division? They got promoted in 2015. Like, to just, like, survive in each year to, to this time, having a, a legitimate shot of finishing, you could you could go into the, the Premiership. You could go into the Premiership. You know, that's, that's really exciting. And on the back of this, like, performances like this, an important result because it has arrested uh, a mini blip. They, they had they hadn't won in seven games prior to this, and against the the best side in the division as well. Great stuff, and, and they could have had more. They, they actually they actually could have won this by a lot more. I I I, I mean I I was I wasn't surprised at, at Owen Coyle's comments after the game. 
but he was kind of suggesting that they maybe could have got a, a, a could have draw and, and to be fair they, they could have done I mean they finished but Brian, Schwa- Brian Schwalke to be fair Brian Schwalke did make a couple of really good saves at, at points in the game yeah but like Morton were, the, were very much the, the kind of dominant team for maybe 70 minutes Mm, yeah, and I know three two makes it sound like it was a, a kind of back and forth uh, tie. I, I I don't think it was. I I, I think Morton were the Morton on the better side. I think uh, I think Oakley might be making it, making a like Robbie Muirhead has kind of been their goal scorer for the the first half of the season, but it almost feels like his. He's starting to kind of run dry a wee bit, so there's yeah. somebody else who could score goals. I really didn't think George Oakley was that man, but based on what I've seen so far, maybe he is. Uh, oh. the, his first, his, his goals were both his goals were were comical, uh, but ultimately, Morton deserved to win. We'll talk about both goals. I know that, that it was a Grant save really opened the scoring, but we'll talk about the two George Oakley's two goals first because they scored two minutes apart. The first goal, it's a, a it's a corner kick. The ball's cleared to about the halfway line, put back into the box. Jai Katongo has a shot that Callum Ferry completely fails to get to grips with and the ball breaks favourably to, to George Oakley. So it's right place at the right time. But it's, it, the, it, it's, a, it's a tapping. But what I would say is that it looks like Callum Ferry, he, he looks very hesitant to get involved in a challenge with, with Jai Katongo is, is how I, I would describe it. I wouldn't like to say he was scared. You know, but you know, like when you were at school, it was like, well, if you don't go in, like, kind of 100%, you might get injured. Yeah. I kind of felt a wee bit like that. Owen Coyle said he was, there was an offside decision and there was a foul. I, I, I don't think there was either. I, I think it was just uh, hesitation and indecision from, from Callum Ferry but and... Owen, Co- Owen Coyle was talking about a foul or an offside. Is, is, is it the Stranraer commentators inhabited <laughs> the body of, of Owen Coyle? That's just absolutely ridiculous. I'm sorry, Owen. I think you're doing a great job this season, but you're barking up the wrong tree there. I, I would agree. I, I, I thought his, uh, his his post his post game comments were were erroneous. Uh, but yes, I, uh, Ferry was at fault for for the first goal. Not as much at fault as he was for the second goal. It's a long ball that comes into the box, and it, it seems to he comes to meet it because I think Oakley is sorry. But, I, but lot, I don't think he has to. I don't think he has to come and meet it. I actually think he could stay in the box. And probably just catch it in his chest. I think you want but to he be decides sure to I, come what, out of the box. I thought it's the sort of thing that you would scissor kick it away. You know, you sort of jump up and, and just boot it. Even if you boot it high in the air, just boot it away from goal. He tries to chest it out, but he, he just miscontrols it. And there's Oakley there just to take it off his toes and uh, and pass into the net. And and I, like I think it was just... Uh, th- this was a, a one-off from Callum Ferry because I think that he has proven himself to be this season like pretty useful. Like there's he was one of the guys that had signed for Queen's Party. You're thinking, well, he's only just going to be a, a, a he'll do for the time being. You know, a player you can say he'll do for the time being when he joined them last season. However, I think he's he's broadly done well for them. He played a really important role when they beat um Air United uh, at the start of the month. He, he made a really, really good save uh, from Dipoak and Yemi. To, to, to keep the score at 1-0 to Queen's Park and he has made another number of important interventions over the course of the season so I, I put this down as just one of those games He's, you know something I think he was perhaps too quick to try and make up for his first error because remember those goals are a couple of minutes apart yeah. I think he was too quick to try and make up for his error for the first goal yeah, no, he's, a, he's had a very good season uh, and I I would agree I, I didn't necessarily think he was a, a championship 
level goalkeeper based on what I've seen so far. Uh, however, uh, I, I think he's had a, a very good season up until up until Saturday, where he uh, he, he had a less enjoyable afternoon. Um, the, the, the the match was opened by a goal from Grant Savory. Uh, I thought this was a very very well taken goal as well. It's um, Dom Thomas. Hope you're listening, Graham Thielis. Dom Thomas set this one up. <laughs> where it's just he, he sees Savory. At first, I thought it was a shot that that uh, that Savory just nipped <clears> in front of and finished. It's not. It's actually a very good pass into space, and you can see Jack Baird again, just a wee bit slow off the mark. That that he doesn't. He sees Savory just sort of nipping in front of across him, and it's a it's a, a really good goal and really well taken finish. Um, and I think those are the those are two players that are. That have been central to um, to, to Queens Park's uh, success so far this season. I think they're going to have to be more central if they if they do get promoted. Like the fact that uh, the fact that Simon Murray has has now joined Ross County, there is a, a, a bigger impetus on their other attackers and the the players have brought in, like like Connor Shields, who mm. obviously got the kind of last goal in, in that in that three two game. I. I, I, well, I don't worry about uh, about Queen's Park, but the fact that they have lost their top goal scorer who scored eighteen goals a season and had nine assists, like how do you how do you compensate for that? Like, do you bring in? I, I don't think they've brought in anybody who is like for like. No, which means do they have to change their style of play? And although, like, it might sound a wee bit daft, but see, last season when we talked about where our broth had. Uh, Nubly, for example. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that Simon Money is like Nubly, but when we talked about Nubly, we were talking about the fact that he could uh, keep possession in the opponent's half and the opponent's third. And Simon Money can press defences and he can hold up the ball mm-hmm. and he ultimately enables Queen's Park to have more possession yeah. by being on the field. Yeah. The fact that he's now at Ross County, how, how do they... How do they Counter that. I'm. I'm not entirely sure. They might do. It, it might be that actually, the the players have brought in can 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 cope with that. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. But there I, needs to be a. There, there needs to be a, a, a. It feels like there needs to be a, a change of style and play to counter the fact that Simon Murray's no longer there. Because certainly when I used to watch them playing against Wraith Rovers, Murray was a player and Dom Thomas that that I was worried about. Murray, I, I can't speak highly enough about Simon Murray at his time at, at Queen's Park, particularly this season, because you, you're absolutely correct in what you said, and 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 that he just was so unimportant. There's so there, there are a number of important players at Queen's Park. Like I think guys like Kilday, Kilday was dreadful on Saturday. Prior to that, he's had a good season. Um, Malachi Boateng, one of been one of the best midfielders. Uh, obviously kind of got pushed about a wee bit at the weekend not a great game for Queen's Park all in Savory Thomas they've been important but Murray is, was the one who was the, the the most important because you're right in terms of what you say about stretching defences that willingness to chase lost causes and just being able to, to hold the ball up and bring those better attackers or sorry not the better attackers the, the more perhaps technical players and Savory Thomas and McPake behind them into the game and it's that 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 selflessness the one the selflessness, one the the caliber of the finishing, two the the strength and the hold up play. He had so many good things going for him, and I think that see if you could combine the best bits of Connor Shields and the best bits of Hugh Henderson, 
you still might not have a player that's this is quite as good as Simon Murray. I think they've both got their qualities, and and I think that that Shields a Shields a willing runner. Henderson's a willing runner. Um, I always thought Shields quite a strong power play. Looks like he's got a like big shoulders, like a, a swimmer's shoulders, but he's still got a wee bit to learn. Uh, Shields, we saw that he he was good at Queens. Saw that he struggled a wee bit at Motherwell, uh, and I. I, I, I think that it's it's how they get on in this post-Simon Murray world will be interesting. And I suppose that they haven't had the the best of, of times in the current month. I know they had a, a really good result against... I suppose they say they had the best things. They only played twice since Murray moved on. Um, three times, if you want to count, the, the game against Cali Thistle. But in the league, certainly, they beat Air United and then they lost to this one. So it's it's probably too small a sample size to, to tell because they have still scored four goals. It was six, if you want to count that match against Cali Thistle, six goals in three games, which suggests that they're not missing him as of yet. That much? That much, maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know, but I, he is a really, really important player. But I suppose... It's it's perhaps too late to too late to tell uh, how how big a loss he is. Um, but the, the 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 we'll talk about the goals in the the, the second half as well. Jack Baird scored uh, almost immediately after the restarts. Across it comes in. I think Katongo gets a header on it. Ferry makes a save, but the ball good save from Ferry. Like a really good reaction save. That doesn't make up for what he did in the first half. But regardless, a good a good reaction save. Uh, Callum Ferry could have bought pizza for every single player in that Queens Park team. <laughs> And they'd open the box and say, "I'm sorry," written in pepperonis, and it still wouldn't have been enough to make up for those uh, for, for those errors. But it's a good finish from Beard, and I think he's, that was similar to oh, I can't remember who we were talking about, but it was uh, Beard had made an error and made up for it by scoring. I think it was similar to this because it was him who let um, Grant Savory go for the for Queens Park first goal. So it was good to see him making up for it at the at the end. Um, and uh, just when we're talking about Connor Shields, I thought he took his goal quite well. A good ball in from Robson. Again, I thought it was a shot, but I don't I think thought, it well, was. I thought, I thought he disguised it very yeah, well. I thought exactly. he shaped the shoot. Exactly. So either, he either had a terrible shot, which I don't think it was, or he disguised it really well and, and had a really good through ball to, uh, to Connor Shields. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I had to watch it a couple of times. I've actually written down in my notes that uh, terrible miss it from Tommy Robson. <laughs> uh, and Shields, Shields does well to recover the situation. But no, it's actually the, the complete opposite. To that is just a, a very, very good, good disguised ball ball into him. Um, we we take anyway too many conclusions from 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 this match. I I, I think Friday night's game against Wraith Rovers will be interesting for for Queens Park. Yeah. In terms of are they are they still a, a, a title contender or are they just a, a a playoff contender? In terms of Morton, like they've got a. a, a a big game against Dundee on Friday night and mm. I felt they had to win either against Queen's Park or against Dundee to, to keep up their uh, kind of playoff uh, aspirations uh, I suppose so I, I thought it was a brilliant one for them uh, Queen's Park I'm, I'm still undecided about how they how they react to, to Simon Murray leaving uh, I'm going to the game on Friday night so we'll we'll see what happens Yeah definitely definitely sorry I've put heat on the telly uh, the Michael Mann film so if I Good film stop- if I stop talking at any points, it's because I'm watching that. So just uh, say, Craig, you still there? If I if I if I go at any point, that's a good film. It's like I only saw this uh, recently, and it was like uh, watching Grand Theft Auto. Have you ever played Grand Theft Auto? Uh, maybe the first one or two. Right, that was ages ago. Right, right, but so when did you watch Heat for the first time? All right, I suppose. I see if we met in the middle. 
we'd uh, we would sort each other out. Um, just, just here's an interesting thing. So, just before we move on to talk about the, the, the game from League Two, Queens Park's apology to their supporters uh, after expulsion from the Scottish Cup. Did you get a chance to read it? Uh, it, 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 it verged on the apology. Yeah, so nobody came out and said we're sorry, but they're having a full and robust review until how they register players. Um, but I suppose in, in terms of, like obviously if, if anyone doesn't know the story, Queen's Park, uh, they had beaten Cali Thistle in the fourth round of the Scottish Cup. They fielded an ineligible player, that uh, was Ewan Henderson, who they signed from Hearts. He was registered, the game, he had been registered after the the, the date of the, the original kickoff, which means he's ineligible to play for it. Uh, they won it 2-0, but they were kicked out of the competition. So earlier today, they apologised for the Minister of Error. They have reimbursed the Supporters Association, who will, oh, turn, who will in turn reimburse the supporters who travelled up by the bus or made their own way up. And those who uh, attended will get a free ticket, a complimentary ticket to their upcoming match against Hamilton Ackies. Yeah, do you know something? As much as the original statement didn't uh, resonate with Queen's Park fans... That's probably about as much as they can do. So, so I might have taken them a, a, a week or two to get there, but but fair play. You seen any new photos from Lesser Hamden? Uh, it still looks shit. Director's box looks good. Uh, it looks like it's flapping in the breeze. I think it will be good if you're in a director's box. Yeah, I'd hate to think there's like a, a King Ralph. I don't, why do we keep referencing King Ralph all the time? Like a King Ralph situation that accidentally just blows away, takes all the Queen's Park directors with it, and then there's um, the, the 50th in line for the, to become the Queen's Park chairman. Uh, has to do it as some slob from America. Do you know something? Imagine being, uh, imagine being run by one of the wealthiest men in Scotland, and yet you build one of the worst stadiums in Scotland, uh, and that includes Edinburgh's. Some feat, isn't it? You really it's, almost, it, it, it's incredible. I mean, fair play to them. It does, I, it, it, it's impo- almost impossible. I fair play. I, I I will definitely go though. I will I will definitely look forward to to, to to going there at some point, even if it's just to say, like going to like I'll never go back to to, to Meadowbank, but just to say I've been to Meadowbank. I went to Meadowbank, so you didn't have to. <laughs> Do you want to drop into League Two, Sean? You probably should. Right, okay. That's uh, well, all right. I'll try to get through this as quickly as possible. Then, well, well, to be fair, I, I I watched the highlights. There was there was five minutes worth of uh, of these highlights. Approximately seventy seconds was uh, featured on the second half, which suggests that the second half is even worse than the first half, and the first half wasn't very good. There's a degree of truth in there. I will say there's a degree of truth in there. We are talking, of course, about Forfar Athletic 1, Stenhouse Muir 1. Forfar have continued their, their uh, unbeaten streak at the moment. They had won their last four matches, but they drew 1-1 with the Warriors, who, again, themselves are unbeaten since Gary Naismith came in and over the turn of the year. Sean Crichton gave the Warriors the lead after the eighth minute with a towering header, but Steph McCluskey hit the equaliser shortly afterwards when the Senny goalkeeper, Curtis Lyle, slapped the ball into his own net. Now, a, a draw <laughs> Oh, Liz, we'll come on to that in a second, man, honestly. Now, a draw isn't the worst result in the world for both sides. They're both still in the playoff hunt. Forfar are in fourth. Stenhouse, we are in seventh, but only three points separates the sides. This this separation in League Two that I've been talking about, I thought it would, I thought we'd see more of it. We really haven't. It's still very, very, very tight in there. Um, but Sean, I mean, the, 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 from the five minutes of highlights, like you can tell me what you thought from it, and I will tell you what I thought from having attended the game. 
So based on the, the five and a half minutes or whatever it was of highlights, I thought Stenia looked a wee bit unlucky, but I did enjoy the fact that once again you have, I don't know, the sixth, seventh goalkeeper in, in two seasons who appears to not know how to goalkeep. I, I think that's a, a, an entirely fair way of looking at the match, Sean. Yeah, I think that's like, I mean, Sean, Sean Crichton's header was very well taken. He could have had a second one uh, halfway through the, the first half. But no, no, the, the, the big moment in the match came on the 16th minute where more, sorry, the Forfer get the ball out on the left. They switch out to the right where Stefan McCluskey is. McCluskey gamp, goes through and goal. He hits the shot straight at Curtis Lyle. It is, I mean, it's powerful. But it's who becomes smaller? Who becomes smaller as the as the show approaches him? He then palms it up into into the air, realizes he's made uh, an an egregious error and has to get back. Then falls in his bum and then and then a, well no, there's then a stramash. Yeah, the ball doesn't go in at that point and then eventually it enters an eight at, at some point. It, it's quite confusing, but ultimately Curtis Lyle is at fault. Yeah, actually, weirdly watching that, the 4 for uh, TV highlights are pretty good. I'm not 100% sure the ball crosses the line, actually. Well, you're starting to sound like uh, you're starting to sound like one of those Celtic conspiracy theorists. <laughs> well, I, I don't think it went in. I mean, I mean, I think it went in. Uh, okay, well, we'll agree to disagree with that one. But uh, <laughs> yes, you're, you're absolutely what you say. So, Stennis Muir now have used six goalkeepers over the past. Like 18 months, effectively. Six goals <laughs> over the past 18 months. And only one of them has been any good. That's Peter Arminsky, who's I think now... a lot of averages. You'd have more than one out of six. I thought that as well. I thought, oh, right, Stephen Swift, who, who couldn't sign a goalkeeper if his life depended on it. Now he's gone away. We've, we've, we can bring in good goalkeepers. And it's the first... As I've got to say, man, it's the first black mark against Gary Naismith's name. Because Curtis Lowe's the first player he signed. And after Clangers Brennan eh, took a real sore one, against Stranraer we need a new goalkeeper coming in and Lyle I'd been I'd spoken to I think I'd said I'd spoken to an associate who's a, a Kilmarnock fan he was like hmm I don't think this guy's all that good and to be fair like he, he he's not great at cross balls he made a couple where he was he's either really indecisive or really overconfident when he's coming for these cross balls you're thinking, right, mm, I'm not sure how, how how good he is, but it's been hard to judge. We've, we've all said this, my, my friends and I have said it's been hard to judge because he's been generally very well protected by his defence. Since we really have tightened up over the past couple of weeks since Naismith's come in. But now, I think when we saw that, everyone's heart sank. And it's just like, how on earth have we managed to sign or put in, in goals again? I think it's like such a, a frustration from if, if you're a, a fan and then presumably if you're a if you're, if you're a player, but you can watch uh, your team dominate possession, uh, create chances. Maybe you don't take them. Maybe you do take them, but then you have an absolute mirage in goals. Who's just letting in everything? It's like fuck me. What's the point? Aye. This is fucking rubbish. Aye. Like we had it with, with Andy McNeil in the in the title chase. It's like my goodness, John McGlynn, as you're like, like, what's going on in your head? Why on earth are you playing Andy McNeil? Because everything that that is hit towards him goes in, and Aye. you seem to have had that now for eighteen months, months with with six different, well, five out of six different goalkeepers. Yeah, Aye. I mean, it's just it's just so frustrating, and it's the, the, the what's even more frustrating was that like a couple of days later. Paddy Martin goes on loan to Bonnyrigg 
from Falkirk, and it's the sort of thing you see that it's like, I, I, why, I, why had we not gone to Falkirk and and said like, is Paddy Martin available? Because Paddy Martin would have been, I know Paddy Martin had played for the club before. Paddy Martin had done well. He would have he would have fitted in well with, with what we're looking to do. We've seen some of the saves that he's made for Bonnie Rig. Um, I think he's been one of the few high spots of the of 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 recent weeks for them and it's just that why is he going to Bonnie Rig and we're stuck with this uh with this tube and in, in goal. So I deeply <laughs> frustrated. Because the thing is Sean, the thing is, like Forford didn't really create that many chances afterwards. So I think Stennis Muir had the better of the chances and actually might have won it on a, on another day. Mark Ma- there we go. Mark McCallum, you want to talk about different goalkeepers. Like Mark McCallum made a really good save from a Mikey Miller header midway through the second half. It's quite a powerful header, it's low, but Mark McCallum, as big a guy as he is, is able to get down and scoop that away just off the goal line. And you think, you look at that, that's that's a goalkeeper that's just saved you points. That's the big ah. difference it makes. And it's the sort of thing at our level, I'll say our, not at our level, because you're, you're obviously in a bigger, a far higher echelon than Stenhouse Muir, but at this level, if you're if you're the position you can't afford to scrimp in is goalkeeper, because if you're stuck with it with a dud goalkeeper, it just it's just it's like a it's like an it's like a poison. It's like it's like having termites in the wall. <laughs> you know, do, do, do you know what I mean? It's like having termites in the wall where you you might it might not notice them, but at some point the whole house is going to come toppling down. So in, in, in terms of in terms of uh in, in terms of Saturday, is that is there any chance that Steny can can get into the playoffs? Or is and, and what is going to cost you if it isn't Curtis Lyle? I think what's what's gonna what's gonna stop Steny Smear getting into the playoffs is perhaps because uh, they've done they've done all right since Naismith has come in, there has been a drastic improvement. You can see it across the pitch. You can see it across the pitch that they're, they're far better. Like, why is has, that? What, what is it? So, sorry, but but what has he done? What has he done? The the defense looks a lot more settled. They're not. I think he's identified what the the players are are, are good at. We've got two big meat and potatoes centre backs and Nicky Jameson and Sean Crichton, who just want to defend. You know, just like, keep the ball as far away from the penalty box as possible. There's points where where Stephen Swift had them like the the the, the centre backs splitting the goalkeeper coming out. Uh, and the fullbacks pushing high up the pitch, and just like it, it's like trying to watch an elephant balance on top of a beach ball. Watch Sean Crichton <laughs> trying to play football. I love the guy. I love the guy. I think he's a smashing player. He's just no good at, at playing football. And the number of times, like you just watch him step out of defence and put the ball, like just miles like towards the opposition goalkeeper. Like and, and what they're trying to do now is just give the ball to Nat Weatherburn. Just give it to Nat Weatherburn because you know what he's good at. He's good at keeping possession. He can't. His, his long range passing isn't fantastic. He can't shoot. He can't run. But he can keep the ball and he can keep things ticking over. That's what he's best. I actually think he's one of the best in the division in that because he's he's just fucking a big unit and he's he knows how to use his body well and he's got a big left foot. Fine. They do. They, they've done that, they, and I think they've got good balance in there with Mikey Miller. Mikey Miller will be a player, and obviously you'll know quite yeah. well from seeing it at the Rovers. Mikey Miller's playing in central midfield. He he's pretty good. Um, so that, so they're able to do that, and it just looks a lot more organised. The team know what they're doing, and what I've heard from, from what I've heard at the club, I think standards of professionalism have increased as well since uh, since the new manager has has come in. Where where do I think that Stenis need to do? They need to sign another striker. 
I think there are irons in the fire. They need someone that can hold the ball up. As much as Tamor tries, I don't think playing with his back to goal is really his strength. I think his, his touch is too erratic. He's the sort of player that just needs to put him in on goal and don't give him anything to think about. You give him something to think about, um, he, he, he'll, he'll tend to fluff it. So there's that. You know, we're hoping for that, that, that there's players coming. I mean, the loan window's still open for another fortnight. Uh, so as long as that as long as that's addressed, but for the playoffs, I suppose we spent a lot of time talking about Stennis Mears. We tend to we might as well talk about Forfar. Not amazing based on that performance. I know they have done a lot better in recent weeks. They had won their, their previous four matches, but I didn't necessarily see, see anything in that game to suggest they were fantastic. McCallum had a good game. Um, they just need to stop giving the ball to Andy Munro. Andy Munro is not Andy Munro is not Alessandro Nesta. Right, he's, he's, he is going to play it long. I, I think is what I expect from Andy Munro. Get Craig Slater to come deep. Get someone. They've got Kyle Hutton and Craig Slater who are good ball players. Get them to take the ball off. Him. Listen, it's like it's like it's like if someone was in a care home and wanted to get out of their own chair, you're obviously going to go and help them because you can't even do it. It's the same when Andy Munro's got the ball at his feet. He can't pass it. Go over and give him a hand. Go over and give him a hand. Help him. The obvious comparison. The obvious comparison, I I think that um, uh, Steph McCoskey's uh, had a decent game out. White obviously scored. I was going to say he took his goal well. He, he didn't. <laughs> he just hit it. He hit the ball very hard. Um, I think... Uh, I, I don't even think he hit it that hard. No, I just like put it... I say put he it on target. I see. He, he, he kicked the ball towards it in the general <laughs> direction of the goal. Uh, and Craig Slater's a good player, you know. I, I, Craig Slater, I wouldn't say I feel sorry for him, but he's the sort of player who, if he didn't have his injury problems, would be playing at a higher level because he's a, he's, he's a classy player and who should be playing at full time football. He just can't really stay fit and can't, can't quite get around the pitch as well as he used to. But I, I just w- worry that, that, that time, we're, we're getting to the stage where in this season, you know who's going to finish first and second? It's Dumbarton and Stirling. They'll take those two places. I still think Dumbarton will win that league. Very good result for Stirling Albion at the at the on Tuesday night when they beat Bonnyrigg two uh, one with uh, Greg Spence scoring. Um, so they'll finish in first and second. The other spots are up for grabs, and I think you've got to say it's like uh, I think of the four teams that can, that are still going for it, or the four teams that you can conceivably say are still going for it. Stenhouse, we are probably the, the least likeliest. And that's Elgin, Annan and Forfer. Stenhouse, to me, seem the least likeliest. It's just that there's a, a bit of a lack of ruthlessness and still a little bit soft at the back end. So you've got a goalkeeper there that you can't trust. So I would fancy, I'd hate to say Stenhouse will finish in seventh, but they could conceivably. I think they'll be too far away from relegation. But I think that the whole season's just been a massive missed opportunity, if we're being honest, for the Warriors. I think they, I, I, I think they probably don't have the match winners of of some of the teams that you, that you've mentioned. But but I agree that they they won't have the consistency to finish in the in fourth spot or whatever. Aye, too too many draws. Like you, you draw against these five. In fact, there you go. There that was uh, Gary Naismith's second game in charge. Uh, how did these five score? Mm, I was Curtis Lyle coming for a corner that, that <laughs> uh, for a cross ball that, and and, and uh, flunking it. And uh, Alan Troughton scoring for close range, so I just just frustrating that and that is the first black mark against Gary Naismith's name. Uh, as a man's well, listen, he comes into the wee bar, he says all right to punters, 
<laughs> That's all right. Uh, up next, Sean. Though up next, I, I hope the four, the the four for, I haven't done four for a disservice uh, by by just kind of skimming on. But there really isn't a lot to talk about them in that performance. It was quite a stuffy game. I just really wanted to to get all the stuff with the goalkeeper off my chest. That's, that's why I, I selected it. I got to say though, Sean, the neck for 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 either side very presentable fixtures coming up. Bonnie Riggs Rose versus Forfar, Stenismere versus Albion Rovers. Uh, I would say uh, Forfar to win at Bonnerig and Steny to really struggle against Albion Rovers but may just dredge out three points I think so it'd be Albion Rovers are, are I've said it numerous times they are not as bad as their league position might suggest they've got some very handy players in their team no, no more so than Charlie Riley who's having a, a superb season uh, he scored a brilliant goal against Elgin uh, a couple of weeks ago from a free kick did you see it? Yes. Oh, brilliant. Absolute, aye, brilliant. It's like sort of Marcus Rashford esque against Chelsea. Um, and aye, you would fancy Stennis Weir to, to be, I'd be very disappointed if it's not other than three points. And as for Forfar versus Bonnie it's like Bonnie just seemed to go from <laughs> like to be dreadful to think, oh, hang a second, the, the Snorr goalkeepers just chucked one and they might do all right to thinking, nah, they are actually just a really, really bad side. Funny that, isn't it? It's such a... Here we are, we were like almost like two-thirds of the way through the season. You still can't make any definitive statements about League 2 other than a handful of teams. There's Bonnerigger, the worst side I've seen this season, yet I still can't say for certain. You know, there's still... Like, I still think they'll finish bottom. I can't say for certain that they'll finish bottom. But it's down to three now. It's down to Bonnerig, Albion Rovers and Stranraer. I would say so. Yeah, I would. I would. I would, uh, I, I would say so. And, and and hopefully, it's it's still these are the games that that when when Bonnie Rigg dropped points against Salah, when Bonnie Rigg lost against Salah, my first thought was whew, they haven't made any ground on us. Bonnie Rigg haven't made any ground on Steny. Yeah, that was it. That's when I saw. I thought they had when they when they scored in the eighty second minute on Tuesday. I thought mm, that's how a wee point closer towards Steny Spear. That defeat saying, thank goodness, they haven't uh, got any closer to Stenhouse Muir. Well, we're all different. That's a good place to finish it, Sean. Um, just for the record, if you do come to Stenis Muir versus Albion over the weekend, myself, Sean McGuigan and Robert Borthwick are going to that game. So come and say hello. I, I am spending almost all of my weekend at Oakville. I'm going there on Friday night to watch uh, Queen's Park versus Wraith Rovers. And then on uh, Saturday to watch Senesh Muir versus Albion Rovers. That'll be good fun. That'll be good fun. So, two tight, double your local view, double your Rovers. Double my fun. And football quadrupled. <laughs> football to the power of four. Sean McGuigan soccer with a wee four up in the corner. I, I don't know if the power of four is how maths work. Neither do I, Sean. That's why it's important. If you know how the power of maths work, please send Sean and I a message with the word mathematics in it uh, and your theories or, or links to Wikipedia. That would that would help us out a lot. But nevertheless, Sean, you and I are going off to record a Patreon. We mentioned we're going to be talking about Darvel 1, Falkirk 5. Please... And Mick Kennedy. <laughs> oh, we'll get to him. Um, we... Please subscribe to the Patreon because it's going to be a lot of fun. Very interesting game, as you mentioned earlier. But in the meantime, uh, thanks very much for listening. Take care uh, and enjoy your football, but do so respectfully. Uh, I concur. Take, I, I'll just say it again. Take care and enjoy your football. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 